Lord Jesus Christ, you are the rising sun from heaven. Please shine on us now, those of us living in darkness and in the shadow of death, and guide our feet into the path of peace. Peace with you and peace with one another. And we pray these things um, for your sake. Amen. Amen. Today we um, will be looking particularly at Zechariah's song, so mainly verses 68 to 79, where Zechariah uh, begins and he says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up for us. So he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Jesus, the horn of salvation. Isus, yes, spasima. Oh, no, spasinia. Spasinia, yeah. Spasinia, yes, spasinia. We want to ask this question, where has this joy come from? Where has this praise come from that has welled up inside and overflowed in these words, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Well, it is from the joy that God has actually done what he promised. God has done what he has promised. Listen to God's promise in Psalm 132, verse 17 to 18. Don't need to turn there if you don't need don't want to, but Psalm 132, 17 to 18, God promises, Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one, my Messiah, my Christ. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. God made this promise and now, now it's about to happen. Look, I mean, although look, look at verse uh, 68 and 79. It's actually in the past tense. He has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation. This is the pro- prophetic past tense. It means that it is so certain that God will do it that they say he already has done it. He already has done it. That is how sure I am that God will redeem his people. With the birth of John the Baptist, Zechariah sees by the Holy Spirit that all these Old Testament promises are about to be fulfilled. Or or maybe even that these Old Testament promises are fulfilled because Jesus is already in Mary's womb at this point. In either sense then, God has come to his people. God has raised up a horn of salvation. But what is a horn of salvation? Horn of salvation? Yes, Vasinia, what is that? The phrase doesn't really make much sense to us because horns don't have meaning, metaphorical meaning in English. But in a number of languages, it makes a lot of sense. I quite like seeing this. In the Balinese language, in Indonesia, horn, or really tusk, means champion, hero. So this makes complete sense to them. When they read it, they see that God has raised up a tusk of salvation, a horn of salvation. And they go, ah, yes, 
He has raised up a hero of salvation, a champion, the warrior, the king who's going to win. In this place, then, the Balinese and the Hebrew metaphors are similar. Both are pictures of strong rulers, of kings, of heroes. And that is what God meant in, in Psalm 132 that we just read. When he says, I'll make a horn grow for David, I'll raise up a king, a warrior, a hero for David. That is what a horn of salvation is, a, a hero of salvation, if you like. Now, let's just uh, apply this a little bit for us. Do we realize how incredible it is that the promise is now a reality? Perhaps, you know, we've, we've read our Bibles. We're used to the fact that God keeps his promises. Yeah, God keeps his promises. Yeah, so, so what? Maybe it doesn't quite give us the joy that it did to Zechariah. After years of waiting, finally, finally, he's here. Jesus, the Messiah, has finally come. God has raised up the horn of salvation. And Jesus is the horn of salvation. Jesus, yes, Pasinia. So let's think now a little bit about that salvation. Let's think about that salvation. The word salvation comes twice in this passage, and there'll be our two points. So the first, verse 71, salvation from our enemies. Salvation from our enemies. Jesus is the hero of salvation. But what kind of salvation does he mean? What is that salvation? We read verse 71, it is salvation from our enemies. Jesus will save us from our enemies. It comes again in verse 74. To rescue us or to, to, to rescue us from their hands of our enemies. We have salvation from enemies. But notice with that, there are a few references to the people God made promises to. Look, David in verse 69, Abraham, verse 73. Do you remember God's promises to Abraham? I heard it nicely summarized in the following phrase. God's people, in God's place, under his rule, receiving his blessing. That was God's promise to Abraham. God's people, in God's place, under his rule, receiving his blessing. Now, what's the closest we got to that? What's the closest we got to that? Probably around David's rule, David or Solomon. That was kind of when we finally got God's people, in God's place, Israel. Under his rule, David was king, receiving his blessing. And that makes sense because the God's promises to David were a continuation of God's promises to Abraham. But then, what happened? We lost it. It all went wrong. The people sinned. The kingdom went into exile. And it was so bad that by Zechariah's time, seeing David's kingdom 
no way. That wasn't going to happen. David's kingdom felt as unlikely as Cornish independence. See that I said Cornish there? You know, you got to know your audience. David's kingdom felt as unlikely as Cornish independence. But Jesus has come. He's here. He's the yes to all God's plans. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to David. He will bring the kingdom. God promised David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, I will give you rest from all your enemies. And what will Jesus, the horn of salvation, bring? Salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all those who hate us. Let's just apply this a little bit to us now. My friends, do we realize that the coming of Jesus, the horn of salvation, yes, Basinia, Jesus has defeated the enemies, our enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, at the root. They're chopped down like a tree. Let's take, let's take the example there. Let's take the devil. Right? He is probably our, one of our greatest enemies. We see the devil accusing believers a lot in the Bible. And when he accuses you, reminds you of your sin, and says, how could God ever possibly love you? Do you believe him? Or do you remember that he is a defeated devil? He is a defeated devil. Perhaps we should say with John Newton, although my memory's fading, two things I remember very clearly. That I am a great sinner. And that Christ is a great savior. That is enough to silence the accusations of the devil. The devil says you're a sinner. Yes, correct. I am a sinner devil. That is true. How could God ever possibly love you? Ah, well, there you go wrong. I'm a great sinner. Christ is a great savior. This is the first way we see that Jesus is the horn of salvation. Yes, Spasinia. He saves us from our enemies. Now, the second, the second time that salvation is mentioned in this passage is in um, verse 77. But verse 77 is part of that second, second portion. You see, this is 76 to 79. Salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And this is the second part. This is, this is the personal part of the song. Zechariah's song it moves from kind of general to being personal. But as we said earlier, even though it is personal, even though Zechariah is talking to his baby, the baby John, the focus is still on Jesus. Yes, he's got John in his arms, but the focus is on Jesus. John the Baptist will prepare the ways for Jesus. How? He will tell people about salvation. 
through the forgiveness of their sins. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is letting a debt go, not making you pay for it. Imagine this. Imagine I say something horrible to someone. Oh, you're an idiot. I hate you. Okay? I sin against that person. I have sinned. And then they don't forgive me. They don't forgive me. What does that mean? It means that I must pay for it. How? I could pay for it by being really kind to them for a whole week or two or however long it takes. I'll be really kind. Maybe then I can pay for it. Or maybe I could pay for it by by them making me feel really bad for a while. You know, and only after a while they'll be like, fine, we can be friends again. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe I can pay for it. Or maybe I pay for it by no longer being friends with that person. That's it. The friendship? Broken. That's how I pay for it. The, the pay? Our friendship is broken. Forgiveness is not making me pay. Forgiveness is not making me pay. Forgiveness is that person absorbing the cost themselves. Absor- t- taking the, the hurt, taking the pay. They pay for it. But they, they take that pain and they don't go, Dang! back at me. They don't make me pay. I think one way that we often make people pay is that we remember it. So that when we have an argument, Next week, they go, ah, but you did this thing last week. That's making them pay. Forgiveness is not doing that. I'm not going to bring it back. It's done. It's done away with. In this passage, forgiveness, well, Jesus himself actually is described as the morning sun. Today in Inverness, we will get six hours and 44 minutes of daylight. That's it. <laughs> Six hours and 44 minutes of daylight. Or spitlo, maybe. And don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? It's just dark all the time. But Jesus is like the rising sun in springtime. He shines on you with bright, warm heat. Gone is the darkness. Gone is seasonal affective disorder. Gone is depression. And here to stay is that rising sun that shines on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and guides our feet into the way of peace. Jesus is the kiss of the warm sun on your face. The frost melts away. That's how forgiveness feels. I don't need to pay. I don't have to pay. My sins are forgiven. Jesus could make me pay. Jesus could make me pay. He could make me feel really bad. 
or make me earn my way. Or he could say, that's it. Our friendship is broken. But no, Jesus doesn't make me pay. He shines the smile of his face on me. He forgives my sin. He takes the cost himself. That's what he did on the cross. On the cross, Jesus paid. Jesus paid. And he forgives us. And so, my friends, my friends, do you know this forgiveness? Do you know it? Has Jesus shone the smile of his face on you? Do you know what it is to not have to pay? Jesus is willing to pay, and that is the kind of joy that fills Zechariah with joy. Confess your sins and know the joy of forgiveness. The joy of forgiveness, my friends. This is the second way that Jesus is the horn of salvation. Jesus, yes, Vasinia. He forgives our sins. He forgives our sins. And so as we close it, we have Jesus, the horn of salvation. Jesus, yes, Vasinia. And we saw it was two things. It was salvation from our enemies and salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that a bit of an odd salvation? How do, how do these go together? Forgiveness and defeating enemies. And they come together? I said, we don't often put those together. But what we see is that we have a complete salvation, a whole salvation. It works together. The horn of salvation is a complete savior. We have enemies. The world, the flesh, the devil, our own sin. And we are sinful, yeah. And what does the horn of salvation give? What does Yes, Basinia, give salvation from our enemies and salvation through the forgiveness of sins. And for this complete salvation, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up the horn of salvation, the Yes, Basinia, for us in the house of his servant David. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're now going to sing our final.